0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Yeah, this episode was a good one. Really fun. Um, Really cool for me, actually. I'm a big fan of this band. Have been for a very, very long time. Yeah, they're sadly not active anymore, but I got Kip from the pains of being pure at heart on the show to reminisce to chat about the band's history their story his life story and how the band is really like reflective of his life and him moving to new york music becoming serious and prominent and the band taking off like all over the world why they got success how it happened and um yeah it's such such a nice guy to talk to such a humble guy yeah the pains of being pure at heart were an indie rock band that sadly called it a day in 2019 but uh yeah go back and listen to their back catalogue it's um you won't be disappointed there's still ideas that of new and fresh today and yeah a great band Kip's a really nice guy he's actually doing another project at the minute called The Natural and it's N-A-T-V-R-A-L um yeah so go check that out great project as well and um yeah not much else to say really hope everyone's all right thank you once again for listening and supporting the podcast go back and listen to the pains of being pure at heart you will not be disappointed and i hope you enjoy the episode thank you to kip once again for coming on it was a pleasure to chat to him a really good gazer and um yeah stay safe and yeah keep smiling get a vaccine if you can it's a, a thing to do and yeah take care thank you once again and enjoy this episode
1: what, what part of the uk are you in
0: I'm in Birmingham, mate. So right in the middle.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. B town. All right, I've been mate. there a few times. Yeah.
0: Have you? Yeah, nice.
1: Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah, people are people are good. Um, obviously, you know, Aussie Oz- is the famous one from there. But uh, I like this uh, indie band from the '80s and '90s called Felt. And that guy was from Birmingham too, so I was thought, you know. Yeah,
0: there I mean, has been there has been some good music come out of here over the years. There's always been a, a really prominent scene, like DIY locally and like nationally. It's always been very active in the in the center center of the club. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a it's a pretty big place, you know. It's like there's there's a lot going on. So um, I know I, for whatever reason, it seems like in the UK, there's still that sort of sense of like you know London kind of controls everything. Like you got to move to the capital city to sort of you know make your mark or whatever. But um, I think maybe in the last. 20 years with the rise of the internet and stuff you know people are able to kind of create in their own in their own cities in their own towns and they don't have to kind of move yeah. as much to find that
0: yeah for sure there's been a it's been quite a surge of like independent venues popping up in the last five years or so which is really cool because london yeah you are you are right man that is like the epicenter of kind of everything whether it's like business or creativity but it's uh it's so it's a very tough place to be man it's like a jungle that's incredibly expensive as well
1: yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I know the same thing. I mean, it's like New York was like that too here. And I, I lived there for like 10 years. And I mean, it kind of, it does, you have to work so hard just to exist there that it kind of forces yeah. you to take what you're doing seriously. But, uh, which I think is a good thing, but it's it's hard to stay there for too long. Just like if you ever have kids or like want to, you know, have anything else in life besides like uh three roommates and like, like a shared bathroom? Yeah, around.
0: yeah, it depends. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. When you, when <laughs> yeah,
1: cool. Like when you get older, though, it's like not so cute anymore. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I'm in my forties, so it's like, oh my god, I think I'd like to be able to
0: have your own shower. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, saying. for sure, man. Yeah. So when when you were living in New York, is that because you talk about things being you know that encourages like a serious kind of lifestyle? Was that was that when? When the band actually itself kind of became had that full drive beyond it as well, did that did yeah, that, that did you, were you like a product of your environment in that sense as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think moving to New York. I mean, the the, the story of the band is the story of me uh, moving to New York because mm. up to that point I was living. I went to university in a, a in the Pacific Northwest in a city called Portland, Oregon, which is you know it's near kind of near Seattle and it has its own kind of laid yeah. back music community, really cool, real DIY, real indie, and I learned so much about music out there, but. Um, you you know it was so cheap to live there. You could like work kind of a part time job at a call center or something like I did, and then just spend the rest of your time like jamming in a basement. Like you'd have like rent houses and live in basements and be able to make music and do all that stuff. Uh, coming to New York was like the really the first time that um, you know, I really you know I, it was like a strange thing, but I I met all these people that were into a lot of the same stuff I was into and. But to get together and play music wasn't an easy thing it wasn't like you could just go over to someone's house and set up a drum set and make a lot of noise yeah um so so like finding like just even like two hours in a place to like do that once a week or something like that required you know you really had to kind of focus you kind of had to like know how you wanted the song to go almost before he showed up and, and think about it a bit and, sure. and luckily I, I met some cool people um, my, this dude alex who played bass and pains um he sat next to me at my job uh, <laughs> the next cubicle over and he was like listening to some cool music and I was like hey man you like you like the gories and the dirt bombs and all kind of these like garage rock uh us bands and the exploding hearts and he was like yeah and he kind of turned me on to some stuff too and then this this woman I met Peggy was like just a friend of a friend and you know we go out to like club nights and stuff and that played the kind of music that we liked and and I think just like one thing led to another and we, we decided to start a band. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, I had played in bands before and they mm. probably weren't that good. And maybe you'd say like, the pains wasn't that good either. I don't know. But uh, for whatever reason, doing something in New York really caught on and with those people. And, and that at that time caught on in a way that I'd never experienced anything like that before. And yeah. it was really cool. And I think, that, I think that could have only happened because we all kind of were in New York where things were happening and um, kind of got a, good rapport with each other and we're sort of bonded over the kind of music we liked.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting you say it, it took a place like New York to kind of exaggerate all that kind of like shared ambition and passion for music. With all that, it's like, why do you think this the project was successful in that way? Was it the the agreement with the creativity or that everybody really was focused and committed due, due to the living circumstance as well? You
1: know, there's loads of great bands that uh, make really cool stuff. Uh, sort of in anonymity for a long time and never really get recognition. And for whatever reason, um, even though it didn't happen totally right away, just playing some shows, making friends with some other bands, there was a real scene happening of like minded artists. Like there was a band called, you know, uh, Vivian Girls and Crystal Stilts and the drums were all kind of happening around that same time. And s- sometimes it's not about one band being cooler than the other, it's just there was like a bunch of bands kind of.
0: Yeah.
1: Theme and variation, like, kind of like people that would be friends with each other and were into the same stuff but might be interpreting the stuff they're into in different ways. And so having, having that community and like a bunch of, um, bunch of young bands all kind of working in the same kind of area made it, made sort of a scene. And when there's a scene, I think it kind of catches on. And I remember the yeah. first time we were over in the UK, like we were playing uh, at the Old Blue Lass in London. And I think it yeah, was in like yeah. 2000, 2008 really early on, like no one knew who we were. We were just opening up for the Vivian girls who were kind of blown up then. People were really psyched on them. And and rightfully so. They're a really cool band. But like people in the crowd were just like chanting Brooklyn at the stage, which is just like, they're all dressed like, you know, like, I'm not saying like in the fashion of Brooklyn, but it was like, they're all dressed up like people you'd see in Brooklyn, but it was like, you know, across an ocean. And then they were chanting at the stage, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. like, Like, I'm not really from brooklyn man <laughs> i just <laughs> moved there when I was 25 yeah. you know it's not like it's not where i'm born and raised but the the sort of the image of it sort of became more powerful than uh what it what even the reality was like the, people were imagining that all these cool bands grew up in brooklyn and kind of like super diy and yeah uh, that, yeah do you stuff, think,
0: you know? yeah like it's quite like a like a romanticized view on it as well from from like an overseas point of view for sure. And I don't want
1: to dispel it, but it was like funny because like all the bands we were ripping off were like kind of a, thought were cool. Were mostly from either like Glasgow or uh, Manchester, or like kind of what we thought was cool was almost the other side of the uh, other side of the world. We're like, oh, we're going to get to go to the UK, and we're going to get to go to Manchester, and we're going to go to Glasgow, where like orange juice is from, or where you know like Stone Roses or or what all the stuff that we thought was like the real shit was like not mm-hmm. us. But then when we got over there, people were like, no, 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 you guys are like American, and that's for real or whatever. So it's kind of funny how you kind of look at the, the grass is always greener a bit and you kind of yeah, uh, yeah, romanticize uh, the other side of the world.
0: That's super interesting, man, how both, uh, you know, the UK and America, they both have that like fantasy of each other's scenes. And, like, I've seen that here. I've done, I've done it myself, man. When I was a younger guy, like you imagine, like, especially like you see places like Philly on the internet, stuff it, all all genres kind of popping off like a diy thing because i think i think because america because it's so big as well so much variety of stuff happens as well man
1: i, I grew up outside of philly and like it's it's definitely cool now like, there's bands moving there but when i was a kid there was like i mean obviously there was some cool hip-hop shit happening and like a couple of punk bands but like when i was a kid in philly it was like the idea that everyone would be like oh yeah i'm gonna move to philly and start a, a band like you know like and now it's like all this cool shit's happening there yeah and uh kind of funny to see the transformation of like what a place that I wanted to get out of is a place that uh, other Even people want to get into.
0: Yeah. 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 Cause like, cause your sound man, to me, to me, I hear like a huge British indie sound in there, like massively. I, I also hear like from listening, like for a while, man, there's, there's, I don't know, man, it's like, there is like a European pop element in it as well. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, we, we definitely grew up or at least the stuff that inspired us a lot was like, uh, yeah, like it was almost, I want to say it's like the, the northern i mean obviously the cure and stuff like that was was dope but like it was like really more like the northern stuff like the stuff happening in manchester the stuff happening up in glasgow that Mm -hmm. um i think were kind of the bands that we kind of gravitated to because they had that kind of more a dirty sound like they it wasn't super twee or gentle or
0: or stuff like that
1: it was kind of it was it was like indie but it was like people that weren't pretending like they're 12 years old you know what i'm saying so yeah, like um, I, I know my voice sounds pretty like funny like probably, I, have a, I have a high high weird voice but like something about hearing kind of uh the northern the north and also there was like a, a weird thing where like northern bands were really into sort of west coast american stuff so the yeah, band like, bands like sure. teen- teenage, teenage fan club was always kind of like like I mean I, I know they're like older guys now but like when they were coming up they were just like had long hair and were like super cool and uh mm-hmm. really wanted to kind of had like a really west coast american sound to them there was this kind of Back and forth influence. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of English stuff, and definitely uh, a lot of Swedish bands were kind of cool happening too. There was a kind of a scene in um, Gothenburg, uh, like in the in the zeros or whatever, that was kind of happening. It seemed like a lot of yeah. You know, Sweden always has like it's a tiny country, but they always seem like they have like tons of good bands coming out of there. It's not just like ABBA, you know. It's like a it's like just a lot of people know how to make music in a very small place, and they can't go outside that much, so you know, they stand and play music, you know.
0: So yeah, same in England. It just rains, so people people just, just play music, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like you you talk you talk about scenes and how you were involved with yours and looking at it from overseas. But it's like why you know it's being part of a scene, then it's that can get diluted and people can drop off. Why do you think a band like Pain's actually developed that like individual fan base and kept kept going really so so strongly and gained a fan base worldwide? Really, why do you think took you on you know your own straight and narrow path?
1: Man, I it's definitely not it's not like musical talent or like we deserved it or anything. I think a lot of it is just the right place at the right time. You know,
0: yeah,
1: I, we could have been doing that band and we could have been living in like the middle of nowhere in Nebraska or something. And maybe it, it didn't happen, but because it was in New York and there was other, other people kind of happening, it, it, it got some interest. Uh, it got some, it got some press. Um, you know, we got to, we got to play on the David Letterman show once like, like, like real stuff like that, where you're just like, is this even real life? You know, like yeah. it's not like we had like swimming pools or like Ferraris or whatever, but like for, the kind of stuff we care about we kind of got to do way more than the bands that even inspired us like you know i think the internet was a big part of it i think when we were first starting out we put like a few songs of ours on myspace a good old myspace like you know four songs you get to put up there free and and you know like within a year like some promoter in sweden was like hey i'll buy your airfare if you come over and play some shows for free and we're like a free trip to sweden sounds cool but something about the something about the music being out there for free because of technology allowed us to show up places and people even know our songs, you know? So, like, the fact that we showed up in Sweden and, you know, we might be playing to, like, 12 or 18 of our friends in New York, but then all of a sudden being in Sweden playing to a bunch of, you know, kids that, like, knew the words to our songs, even when we barely had, like, an EP out or whatever, I think I think there is really something about it had to happen at that historical moment when music could be available, like, cheap and free uh, because of the internet around the world. And it wasn't about... Hey, we got to make a demo tape and pass it off to this guy who's going to try to sign us to a deal in LA and he has a ponytail and he's going to tell us to like change our sound around but to make it more palatable. Like, there, we didn't have to come up in that world. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was almost like cool that the music industry was falling apart when we came up because it gave access to people that just kind of could do things their own way and get the songs out there and distributed without having to go through like this uh, kind of gatekeeper process of impressing, like label a and r kind of stuff like we put our stuff out on like an indie label where like one dude works there and it was still able to be heard by like anyone that wanted to hear it and uh i think that's just kind of owes a lot to technology and the way that uh the distribution of music has changed since like when i was a kid and you had to like buy a 19 dollars cd and you didn't even know if like any of the songs (laughs) were good besides the one you heard on the radio
0: yeah yeah man so do you think it's like the 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 compromise of like Going the, going the indie route and the DIY, but also due to the internet at the time, there was actually that mainstream exposure without even being involved in that world in a way.
1: Yeah, it was. It was kind of like the the, the two worlds were kind of collapsing and falling into each other. Now, now I don't know. Like, if Pain started today, I don't know if it would be the same. I, th- I think, I think in another way, technology has sh- shifted uh, the kind of music we listen to and that, like, streaming has a lot of cool qualities and I, I mean, I, I use Spotify and all that shit. Like, I'm, I'm not like, Saying it's a bad thing, but I think the kind of music that uh, exists on that platform, which is like sort of more beat-oriented, uh, droney, like atmosphere kind of sounds, like there is kind of like the idea of having kind of abrasive guitar music, isn't um, isn't sort of like the dominant. Uh, like art form of like the technology that gets people music right now. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not one of these guys that's being like, if only people just listen to Oasis, like the world would be a better place. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like there's yeah. like there's loads of t- kinds of music out there and like for k- different kinds of people and what they like and artists expressing. And it's not like real music is one way and, or another, but it's just like, I, I kind of think we kind of came up in this weird sweet spot where people were still kind of excited about, Uh, bands with guitars singing songs that were like three minutes long about how they felt and uh, doing it in New York helped a lot and like kind of having the internet and being able to also mp3 blogs I mean that sounds like such a silly thing to say but there was like this huge network of like people that were doing these blogs and they're just like by themselves it wasn't like they were getting money from it they would just post a song or a video and write a little bit about it and eventually that had a kind of groundswell effect it wasn't like it wasn't like it was like oh no we need to get a good review in Pitchfork or like Rolling Stone or, or stuff like that or the enemy. It was like there was all these little sites that were kind of celebrating new music and writing about it, and that got other people to listen to it, and it kind of had a, a word of mouth quality to it more than just being uh, sort of anointed as like the saviors of rock and roll or whatever from like one of those one of those bigger kinds of things. And uh, I, th- I think now the internet's kind of consolidated and. What I'm noticing now is there's a lot more podcasts, which is really cool, like uh, what you're doing, and I've done a few other for this uh, for this album I did. Um, but yeah, like more people are doing podcasts. But the actual MP3 blog, where people are like, writing about a song for a paragraph and then letting you hear the song,
0: mm. uh,
1: isn't isn't quite the thing anymore. There's not a lot of like you know websites kind of doing that in the same way there was like maybe ten years ago.
0: Yeah, I noticed that man because with publications now, there's it's a complete, it's a complete world. It's a complete whole new like realm of the internet, man. But like, yeah, I, d- I do agree. It's like people, people don't. A lot of people are kind of in it for themselves now. Do you feel rather than having the whole like group community aspect, which came off kind of the back of that stuff,
1: man? I do think there's always going to be like DIY communities and DIY. Like, I don't think, I don't think like you know, capitalism always kind of wins, but then it always like something new happens too. Like it's like there's like with like grunge or like what happened in the '90s. Like there was a moment where. This underground music kind of broke through, and then it kind of got commodified. And there was like a bunch of bands like uh, that, sort of were like approximations of that, uh, but didn't really come from the same same place or the same ide- ideology. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not like I'm not lamenting that things are going to be sort of boring, but there there is like a financial incentive to a lot of these websites. Like you could write about like a band like our band or whatever, and get like maybe three people interested in it, or you could like write about. Sort of celebrity, or like they the kind of like uh, music as celebrity culture and or, or controversy it's like it's like makes more more people want to comment and offer feedback when like if van morrison said, van Morrison says something like kind of not cool about vaccines or something like that then if like you know some some guys writing songs on the guitar in his basement and like post them on the internet there's like a there is an incentive to kind of go to the more like controversial and the more incendiary aspects of culture to get like engagement. And I think that engagement is sort of what drives like the ability for those sites to kind of exist and get like advertising and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't totally understand it, but it does seem like the kind of coverage I've seen. And it's, it's been, it's it's not like a new thing. I think it was happening in like the zeros and tens too, like where like sort of, it would be music stories about everything except for music, like like who the guy in this band is dating and or, or whatever. And, or and it'd be like, did this person say something like sort of, not on, or kind of like off yeah. color, and and stuff like that. And that's sort of like the story, rather than being like, "Here's a just a really interesting song," or "This person put out an album," or "Have you heard this thing yet?" It, it's it it's driven more by sort of musicians doing everything other than the actual music that they're 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 doing. So, um, you know, that's obviously like, draws a lot of eyeballs and is interesting to people. Um, but uh for me, I think like at least the kind of success that my old band was able to enjoy was kind of a a weird freakish moment where people were kind of just like posting music on the internet and like talking about it and saying if it was good or not and trying to get their friends to listen to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get that, man. It's very, it's it's a, that was a a very cool time that I don't know if we'll be replicated, but, did you um when pains became more established and you you kind of gained your kind of um you know reputation as a band that had a fan base did you ever feel the pressure in terms of writing and did the band ever become quite scary at one point when it became this pe- when you knew that fan base was there and they actually desired a certain sound from a record and there was hype around it as well
1: yeah i think that's like that's kind of a difficult thing to balance like like i some artists are like really good at just really not giving a fuck what anyone uh cares about them and, and they'll just say like i don't give a fuck i just make music for myself and but like you know i i don't know what it is but like if there's like a bunch of like nice kids in spain who really like a certain sounds songs to sound a certain way and it kind of allowed us to go there and play shows for them and like there's a part of you that doesn't want to like let them down and i think around around the time of our third album it was kind of at a crossroad in terms of what i was writing um this was like after belong and, yeah. you know, like a couple of people that started the band with me left the band to do, like, go focus more on like their work or, or doing other things in life. And I kind of like had inherited the the mantle of it. And uh, the stuff I was writing was a lot, you know, different than the album that came before, different than the two albums that came before. But I also felt like maybe we need to have like a couple of songs that sound like those older albums just so it doesn't alienate people and... And in retrospect, like those songs were probably the weakest ones on those records, at least to me, because they weren't, they weren't always coming from like my genuine interest at the at the time. You know, like maybe I was I could do an impersonation of myself, but what I was really interested in was a, a different sound. And so the last two Payne's records were, in a lot of ways, different. A lot of people were, you know, I don't want to say disappointed. Like people like those albums too, and I shouldn't like be the first one to say they're like less than, but they definitely didn't have the same uh, like excitement around them as the first two we did. And that's like a natural thing for bands too. It's like, it's not like now people are like, Oh, the fourth Oasis record is like the one I really like the most either. Um, There there is sort of a shelf life towards uh, nothing against the fourth Oasis album, but, um, but it's like, but there's, there is sort of a shelf life to like a band's moment and a, a band's like relevance in people's lives. And, and whether or not you keep on making good music or not, it's uh, sometimes people. And I'm the same way with the artists. Like I kind of go back to the same two or three albums that like, mean a lot to me from an artist I love, even if it's even if they're like, "Hey, I've put out a bunch of albums since then. Why why aren't you listening to those as much?" It's just kind of the time of, like, time of life yeah, you encounter something, yeah, yeah. and at that moment. And it's it's not wrong to be like, "I love this band, but I only kind of like two of their records a lot. And those are the ones I go back to."
0: Yeah, do you wish you would have know that at the time that it was like, oh, this might be the stuff that, you know, people connect with for the longevity of it all? Or do you think that, like, it's all part of Ukraine, what represents you at the time? Because I say it's your music, man. It's no one else's. You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, if... I don't know how to say that. I, I feel like it's kind of a cop-out to just, uh, just be like, oh, we made a classic record. I'm going to, like, piss off. And also, it's like, I don't know, I love making music. And a part of me, like, selfishly, like, was not sure that um, you don't know something's good or bad until you kind of do it. And I, I don't think those rec- those last two records are bad. I, I just think I was kind of defiant and I was kind of pissed off that like people quit the band and I was like, man, mm, yeah. like I, and like, you know, people were being like, Oh, the band's different now. It's not going to be the same. I'm like, it will be the same. Come on, man. It's like, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think it was kind of, it was hard to like kind of see that in the moment. And like, now I can reflect on it and be like, Oh yeah, you're right. The band wasn't the same and like the energy was different and like what what the songs were about was different um so like yeah i don't I don't think i i should have like stopped making music uh before i decided to stop the band when i did i i felt like it kind of i kind of got to do all the got to do all the kind of things i wanted to do with that project and and when i lo- moved from new york uh now i live in princeton new jersey i like ended the band and that was so i, I think the band was the story of my time in new york and uh, yeah and that's kind of like that kind of what books it book ends it like i moved to new york i started a band with my friends and then like 10 years later i, I left new york and the, i left the band with it
0: yeah it really does tell a story i didn't i didn't know that man i didn't know that that actually that actually makes complete sense now you say it it's uh it's funny isn't it from the outside looking in people people don't understand but really, it's really it's your life you're living and what you're doing with your like creative atmosphere you know
1: but I don't expect them to either. And I don't expect people to be all that interested in my life. You know, it's like, it's like, this. It's like when the song comes on your, 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 your stereo or something like that, you're not thinking like, oh, I wonder if this guy might've had a child in 2016 and didn't <laughs> want to carry a, a stroller up four flights of stairs to his one bedroom apartment in like Brooklyn and, and his wife got a job, at, at at a university, like 45 miles south. So like they decided to relocate. Like, I mean, you could think about that and I'm happy to share the details of my life, but it's like, On another level, kind of you want to have a little bit of the mystery too and just be like, that's a cool song, man. Wonder yeah. why he doesn't make songs like that anymore? Eh, whatever, <laughs> like go on to the next thing, you know.
0: Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, to keep, yeah, it's good to keep that question mark in bold sometimes for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be like, and these these are the uh, struggles I have with assembling the car seat. There's <laughs> a song about <laughs> how it's tough to install that car seat the first time or whatever. I
0: don't. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, man. It's not like you put out an autobiography instead of another. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's like there's a reason. Like, song should be about three minutes instead of thirty. You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. Yeah, so when when did music itself become a really like prominent part of your life? I I always like to talk to people about like formative years and everything. And when did you really feel a connection to music as an art form and want to express yourself through it and it really defined you your character essentially?
1: Well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like I think my story is pretty similar to a lot of people. It's like adolescence and like finding uh music as sort of that outlet both listening to music is kind of a way to find other people that feel the way you feel um in, in yeah. the world sometimes it's kind of a weird isolating kind of age things have changed me a lot and then also like writing music myself was a way of you know just like getting my feelings out about life and and you know having something some way to express myself uh at a time when you have a lot of conflicted feelings and you have a lot of transformations in your life and that's not it's not like wow you had it like a strange adolescence. It's like, everyone does. It's like, it's like, no one, no one's like, man, when I was 13, I was so happy. And everyone else, I was like, man, it, that was kind of a rough time. But, uh, so, so I, I think Nirvana was the band that was kind of like the gateway, uh, for people of my generation. When like Nirvana came out, it was like this demarcation between that and, uh, the sort of glam rock that was going, or the glam metal, that was sort of the thing before like the Guns and Roses and stuff. So there was like a sense that like Nirvana was ours and then Nirvana was really cool. Cause they, uh, deflected their kind of celebrity or, or, or discomfort with being in the public eye by trying to let people know about other, other bands. So they did a lot of cover songs. They did covers of that band, the Vaseline's uh, from Glasgow. Good. And, uh, they talked about like K records and beat happening and like all these like, kind of underground DIY, um, music communities in the U S and, uh, and they talk about Teenage Fan Club being their favorite band when Teenage Fan Club was just start starting out. But you have to understand, like where I grew up in America, it's like you wouldn't have found out about like bands like The Vaselines ever at the age, at that age at least. Like not until you're like when if you went to university, you might like learn about more like underground stuff. But having a big artist like Nirvana uh use their celebrity to talk about all these smaller, um but deserving artists that they they really enjoyed kind of opened a pathway to not just me but like my friends to learn learn about like these other scenes and these other worlds of music that weren't just you know like in suburban america it's kind of like punk and hardcore sort of like the de facto the kind of shows you can go to like when you're like not 21 and can go to a bar Uh, so like you couldn't go see like sonic youth but you could go see like you know the punk punk band that plays at the church basement or whatever like
0: yeah um, got the vfw halls all that shit man yeah
1: all that shit is like what you had access to and it was like on um, one hand i loved i loved the the vibe of those shows and the um like the politics of the shows and like what that represented and like sort of like no rock star kind of thing like where people just play on the floor and it's it's all cool um but at the same time i was like the music itself maybe wasn't like the fun part of it like it was just pretty like chugga chugga uh, screaming that shit, which is like, you know, it's all right. But uh, there was a couple of bands that would kind of play in those play those shows but would sound totally different. They were just kind of like, hey, we're like a bunch of punk dudes, but we like mod music or something like that. So they'd, like, they'd show up in like suits and ties and like play like this kind of like mod power pop stuff and everyone would be like, wait, is this cool? We can't tell. <laughs> like, but it, it was cool. And it was like uh, that guy Ted Leo had this band called Chisel. And it was like uh, this like really like sort of clean power pop stuff but his his politics were like totally uh, like the same as like like the punk dude so it was all cool um so it kind of opened up a pathway to discover other stuff and bands like pavement and sonic youth and oh uh, yeah voices
0: paper are a great band yeah timeless man timeless
1: but it's just yeah but it's just like you know your friends give you a tape or something like that they're just like hey listen to this and i'm like they get stuck in your tape deck for like a year and you're just like this is really cool so I don't know. It's like, I, I didn't have like an older brother or older sister to like kind of kind of guide my way through things. But uh, at least I had some friends who kind of knew about some cooler bands than I did and kind of pointed me in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that's sick, man. Yes, yeah, so you you talk about like, you know, feeling something off music and, you know, how how it gets absorbed by yourself and young people. How do you, what was it? Was it your intention with pains to make listeners feel that way were you did you have that in mind when writing the past material that there were young people listening and this you know this could be their record or this is part of their time man that 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 was just like a
1: happy accent that some people really felt that way i always joked that we wanted to be the biggest band in the world to 18 people you know like something that was like like really important to like a few people you know and and uh maybe that was like sort of like how it went (laughs) but uh it was like sort of like it was like both ambitious and like also like we don't need to be like for everyone you know it was kind of like there's gonna be a you know a handful of people out there that one of the people like us that are gonna i think we're gonna uh, dig this and like be into it but it wasn't about like just uh becoming like uh like festival headliner kind of stuff it was more just like being sort of like one of the bands that we would have liked at that age you know yeah but it, it wasn't like a it wasn't like it wasn't like we were like messianic, like people that were like, our band is going to save your life, poor teenager. You know, that's kind of like patronizing and a little weird too. Like we were like, people thought we were younger. Like I was 27 when I started pain. So like we were singing songs about like sad teenagers or whatever, but it was kind of like we were already like ourselves like kind of past that time and kind of reflecting back on those times of our lives with a little bit more perspective and romanticization of that than uh, yeah. maybe what we'd be doing. Like if we actually were like 17, you know?
0: yeah for sure man it's like what why you know why did music become so important to you then why couldn't you know 20, 27 like you know is older than some people to start a band why why was it something that you couldn't ignore and that you had to keep going and produce something like pain and you know it'd be so important well, to you
1: man i don't know i, I felt like i had given up on you know it's funny when i was about 25 i moved to new york and I, at that point i was like all right my, my music life's over you know uh this was like a this is like a great i had a, a great time with my friends and Stuff, but now it's time to move to New York, and it probably isn't going to happen for me. Um, so, like, only by giving up did it really, uh, actually. Yeah. happen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But like, I was just like, I'm just going to make music like with my friends now, and like do this because it's fun and it's a lot more fun than our jobs, you know. Like, it's uh, yes, yeah, it's like, well, it's like if it, that's probably the simplest explanation. Just like it's, it's a lot more fun than just coming home and like cracking a beer, you know. It's like go to band practice and crack a beer or whatever, and and, and write some songs that are fun to play. So, um, I think I think it's really. I think it's a a cool thing for people to realize that like you don't have to like fit the mold of like what the expectation is for like cool new band or whatever. Like, and it helps a lot of people like that band to hold steady. Like that guy had been in bands like forever and it wasn't until he was like 40 that like shit really started happening to him or whatever. I don't, I don't know his real age, but it's like, there's a lot of things like that where it's like people that had kind of just been like bumbling around the scene, trying to do stuff, like kind of when they let go and stop, stop trying to make it happen it kind of does happen
0: yeah exactly man my friend at work he was telling me today about some guy who put out a record in the 60s and he got got so famous in like South Africa in like 2010
1: yeah I know what you're talking about it's like there was a film called I think it was like searching for sugar man yeah that's
0: that's exactly what it is yeah I forgot what the name was but yeah 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 yeah, I wanna I wanna watch that too. Like my 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 old the
1: bassist in Pains, like saw that and he thought it was like really cool. But yeah, like, you just never know when you put something out there, it could be like years later. I think about that like a lot of the bands that inspired, Pains. Like people are like, th- that band wasn't even popular at the time. You know, it was like this dude that put out a record uh, in Slumberland Records. He used to be in a band called Black Tambourine that he did with his friends like in the late '80s, and some of those people went on to be in a more successful band called Velocity Girl that was on sub pop in the 90s but it was like literally like he pressed like 207 inches and people might have bought 50 of them and like no one cared yeah. and then all of a sudden it was like in 2009 it wasn't just us but that band vivian girls and like uh like a lot of people were exciting like black tambourine as this like super influential band and he was like i was in that band no one came to any of our shows we played like four of them we like put out a seven inch or two and they're like then we like went our separate ways you know but it, you just don't know when people <laughs> yeah. might re-encounter something and it and it might mean more to them at that time in uh, the world than it did when it was happening, or or whatever. So like that, yeah. That that's just, that stuff is weird and real.
0: Yeah, like Black Tambourine. He's probably hearing people say that, and he's like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "What the fuck?"
1: <laughs> he's like googling it, looking to see if there's like a, another band with like a different spelling that they might be referencing or something. It's like, wait, like our band? You know, the one that like we yeah. literally had had only eight songs that we put on a ten inch, and like kind of like
0: that was it? That's the thing, though, man. It's like what's happening. Maybe at the current time, there's probably someone that did it before that no one gave a fuck about. That is actually better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you know did you notice that as well when you were coming up? It's like, do you what, what do you like what you're hearing now? Do you think like, oh fucking hell, I heard this when I was touring with Pains and when I was <laughs> when I was younger?
1: Well, I I always had like a promise to myself, like Pain's used to get like ridiculed all the time for just like ripping off like older bands and whatever, like not being original. Like it was like everyone would be like, Oh, they're good, but they're not that original. And I was like, Man, I am never gonna first of all I, I didn't really like originality isn't really that important if you make shitty music, but like, if uh, yeah, true. I always thought like, if I was going <laughs> to at some point, like 10 years from now, someone's going to be like made a band that sounded like pains. And, uh, I wasn't going to be like, you guys are just ripping off. Cause like, it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's like Oasis telling people that they are ripping off Oasis or something like that. It's like not, it wouldn't be right for me to turn around and all of a sudden give a shit about, uh, being like, actually, I, uh, I was, uh, playing this guitar tone in, uh, 2011, uh, so uh, yeah, man. I, I don't I don't give a sh- I don't I really don't care about the originality thing, and I just think people should try to make good songs. And you're going to be original by accident in a weird way. Like even if you try to sound like something you love, there's going to be you're going to fuck it up, and like or going to have something of yourself in it that isn't. Like, even even trying to copy something, like unless you're like super talented, you're going to end up making something different anyway, and that's yeah, and that's sure. cool.
0: Yeah, it is, man. It's cool to let like, it take that natural direction anyway. It's like, yeah, you talk about, you know, you want to be the biggest band to like 18 people, but don't, do you think that like now looking back on it, it's, you'd rather have, you know, you still have like 100,000 listeners on Spotify. It's like, it's it's better to have those people there forever than like a million people that's going to drop off in in two years, you know?
1: I mean, that's all, it always shocks me, man. Like it, we would play shows and we'd see like the same people at our shows like lots of times. I I try to think about my own life, how many bands I go see like every time they're in town. Like it's not, that that kind of connection oh, to music yeah. is just so yeah. much cooler than like i don't know being like having a like a big radio hit and getting to play a couple of festivals and people kind of forgetting about you like i, I know you can't choose what happened but i i feel like whatever happened to us was the best possible version of things cuz sure it's like you know like when you go through like airport security and like the guys like so what band are you in and they never have heard of you. Like you you tell them every time. You're like the pain of being what the, the the parts of being, pain. like. But uh, if you can get over the fact that like the the guy at airport security is even if you're carrying a bunch of guitars is going to be like no, nope, don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, the reality <laughs> of just having like you know like even if it isn't like a, I mean it's all relative. But even if it's just like a small group of people that like your music still means something to them ten years later, fifteen years later. That's like the coolest thing because. Uh, I mean that that's. I mean, I, I don't think we could have planned it out any better than that.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Do you find it strange looking back that you were making stuff that represented you, but also, you know, someone else found a connection and solace with it?
1: Well, that's what I think is actually uh, pretty interesting. Is that like our our biggest? I mean, I don't know the demographics, but I would say like the, our biggest success or fan base or like concerts were always in Spain, and there was like really? something about like our music in Spain. Uh, like they it, people in Spain love music and they love going to festivals and they love uh, yeah. guitars and they love staying out all night. And I think I think Spain has a lot of things figured out right in the world from from <laughs> from the times I've been there. Uh, but even like when they're even when they're going through like the most horrible economic like crisis of a generation, they were still having music festivals and people were still finding a way to go. So I was like, well, I, I I mean you know hear about all these horrible things and bailouts and what, but it seems like people are still like able to go out and have beers and listen to to bands and have a good time. So whatever's going on there is probably all right. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, so yeah, it was always like, weirdly like how like our music sometimes resonated with people in, in communities that were so different. Like the other, the other thing, and we only got to go there one time, which was still amazing, uh, was Indonesia. Like when we were, put our stuff on MySpace, it was like really the amount of people that wrote to us from indonesia was like really That's crazy
0: it's so weird high and like like disproportionately
1: and I, and i and i know there's like a scene there and i know there's like some bands there and i i know some labels there that are doing stuff and there's like a kind of fascination with like sort of english 80s 80s guitar pop and and it's a huge country i mean it's like people it's like there's like hundreds of millions of people that live in indonesia
0: yeah but there's it's like, like yeah there's like 250 million people there man it's massive
1: yeah, it's like basically the same size as the United States in terms of how many people are there. So it shouldn't be surprising that there's like a ton of fans of like an indie band from New York, but uh, it was, it's still really cool because like the life experience of like what it means growing up there is so much different than probably what we're singing about. And at the same time, people find something in the music that like resonates with their life and their experience in,
0: yeah, in and a cool closer. way. And,
1: and, and that's kind of like not something you could have anticipated happening. And it wasn't even like Paynes was like writing these like sort of universalist kind of anthems or something. It wasn't like we were Coldplay where all our songs were just like, you and me together, colors, sounds, <laughs> like yeah. I have a hand, you have a hand, let's hold hands. Like, it's yeah. like, like we're, it was like kind of a peculiar kind of uh mm. sort of uh, yeah like sort of neurotic kind of worldview uh, or, or just kind of weird worldview that for it to resonate in places so different from our own home was just like such a such a cool thing to experience so um you can never tell what when you put music out there who's gonna find it you know worthwhile or not
0: yeah no way man it's so it that's so cool the music was translated in so many different forms like worldwide and so many people from different nationalities and cultures like perceived perceived it just so perfectly
1: and i've been in bands for like 10 years before that that literally just played to the same 12 friends at the same bar like never outside of our zip code like there's yeah. no when you ask me like why did it happen this way or that, like I could give you a few guesses, but like you just don't really know, man. Like it's just yeah. a lot of it is just because there's a lot of there's a lot of artists that are awesome that just never get get any kind of uh shine or, or recognition and then it's just like random shit happens to like, you know, some some band that like practices at their keyboard's boss's office after hours, like <laughs> you know, it's like I don't know. It's kind of it's pretty random.
0: When you kinda of became more involved with the music industry, I like to ask some people this now and again. Um what was what, what was your biggest problem with it being caught up in it and everything what would were, what were the, the negative sides? I don't, I don't mean to bring the conversation down but it's like you know what what kind of problems did you see within the music industry and had that how did that evolve and you know when you when you went along i think
1: one of the things that kind of saved us is that when i said we were kind of older when we started off like we didn't get uh, like a, you know i don't know if it's, if you're nineteen and you like start a band and all of a sudden you're like going on tour around the world you think that's normal and like you deserve it um i think our, our feelings were almost like problematic and the opposite. Like we were all just like, we don't deserve it. And uh, the bands yeah. that inspired us deserved it. And like, we we're getting to do shit that they didn't get to do. And like, we're kind of like, like that imposter sy- syndrome thing, which I think it's kind of like, you can like go down that rabbit hole forever and, and it doesn't really get you anywhere. But um, I, th- I think with like the, the industry or whatever, like it was funny to see how like sort of outside influenced um, or outsized influence certain kind of press outlets where we were on like some tour uh, in Australia with like a bunch of bands that all got like best new music in pitchfork in the same year we did. It was like the, the promoter had just kind of like gone on to pitchfork, like sort of looked at who got best new music and was like, "Those are the will book to play this festival. And it was, it was kind of like, that's, that's cool. We got that opportunity to do this tour and we got to hang out with these other cool bands like girls and, um, uh, you know, twin shadow and uh, cults and uh like m83 was on that tour and like there's a bunch of, I, I, that band yuck from the uk like yeah. those guys were pretty cool um but so we got to be part of that but it was all kind of this weird sense of like why people were booking things was based on kind of like one website's review of our record as like yeah. the arbiter of whether it's like worthwhile or not which when it's working for you, it's like, that's cool. <laughs> when it's not, it's kind of like, that's a bummer. But like, it kind of puts a disproportionate uh, emphasis on, you know, getting a good review it, on like one like website or outlet or something like that, which yeah. I think is kind of like, I think maybe it's changed a little bit now because there's like different structures of power. Now I think the problem is festivals book based on, they have access to all this data. So like they can go on Spotify and can tell exactly how many people really listen to your music. And they can kind of make estimations of like your worth based on um, like your actual impact of fans. I think if anything, pains kind of benefited because like we might not have had like a ton of fans, but the fans we did have kind of like were in positions of like strange. Uh, like a lot of people like were like, "Oh, that band must be really successful, like a big band." We'll book them for this based on like what I was saying the problem before. It's like they get like a good record review or something like that. But we weren't like. I remember like one year we were playing an Irish festival and the band Foster the People was playing too. And we were, had to play like after Foster the People and like yeah, I know Foster that. the People. And yeah. they had like the number one hit they had like the number one song in like the world at that point. It was like yeah. it was like a totally different level of like, yeah, our band is cool. Like we play like songs about feelings and guitars and stuff. But, like they actually had like a global number one. And then we had to go on after them. And it was kind of like maybe that like the booking happened before they had totally reached the apex, but it was like one of those moments where you're like and we're here too, and we are we don't have the number one single in the world, and you kind of feel a little bit like, like ah, uh, like, you know, we're not uh, exactly that cool. Uh, but um, but yeah, like st- some stuff like that would happen, and now I think a lot of the booking and stuff is done. I mean, not all festivals and stuff, but there is this almost like, a, it's all yeah. like sort of da- data-driven where they're like, let us get the top 10 streaming artists to play this festival. That way we can right. make sure that a lot- they'll be popular. And it's sort of like, yeah. it is sort of like a cheat code a bit, like, but uh, it doesn't favor artists that don't really have huge uh, streaming followings and stuff like that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, man, like whatever, like it's also not good to bu- book a bunch of bands that no one cares about. So um, if you're like trying yeah, but, to sell tickets, uh, I get it too.
0: Man, I, know, I notice it personally uh, so much just for looking at Reading Festival as the years have gone on. That's I think that's the, one of the primest examples here in the UK. It's just what's what's good now, rather than what what matters to these people in like a sea of a hundred thousand people. And it's like, is is music really valued by the younger generation? I don't know. But yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's it's, it's like, it's not so much like people's tastes need to be challenged by like sort of like the festival promoter knows best. I'm going to put this cool band on that you haven't heard of. But there is something where it's like, it's like a feedback loop where if you're only promoting things that are already popular, it's just like reemphasizing a certain kind of popularity, becoming more popular by more exposure. Whereas if it, you could kind of like juxtapose like a festival work, you're like, yeah, of course you want to have like Drake on. Of course you want to have like, like really like huge uh, streaming artists. I mean, I don't, I'm like so out of the group, I don't actually, I'm not even using names. I'm like, Drake is probably a reference from like another generation too to like kids. You know, like, yeah, Drake, that's like what my dad likes. Um, but <laughs> of course you want to have stuff that has like huge like, um, like I don't know, Catfish in the bottom or whatever, like the the big streaming yeah. artists are at a festival. But um, you also want to like, slice it in with like other stuff that's like a little bit more like you don't know you like this yet but you might by like seeing it at a festival you might actually be exposed to something you would and in that environment you might be like hey this is actually really cool what is this um yeah have that sense of discovery and not just like going to a physical place that just replicates your spotify top 10 playlist like you can do that in your home like you can like you can like push like find the top 10 streaming artists at home and push play and listen to it at, at home uh, but when you go to a physical location, there should be something about that experience that, um, but it's like reaffirms stuff you might already totally like. Of course, you want to see like all, like, if, of course, if it's 1968, you want to see the Beatles and the Stones and the Kinks and like Mary yeah. and Faithful on one stage. Like, that's cool and that's right. But like, you might also want to have like uh, Nick Cave or like, or just like, I mean, I'm not in 68, but like Nick Drake or something, like, or like Fairport Convention or like weird, weird stuff that was like a little like left of the mainstream, but was also like, could be a really cool experience for listeners if given a chance, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's like that that moment in time's gotta still remain valued for sure, man. Yeah. So you talk about being in that physical place. What what are your fondest memories of pain, just to finish up, like of when you guys went abroad and were so, got like a worldwide audience, man, and like touring globally? What what stands out when you look back on it as as the true highlights of um, you know, that that you'll hold on to forever?
1: Well, I mean sometimes it's those first experiences that kind of make the biggest impression because you've just never you don't have anything to compare it to, but I remember in 2009, we, we got booked to play the Primavera Music Festival in Spain. Yeah. And our record had just come out and like we'd played some shows in New York and maybe some of them got bigger, but it was like, getting bigger was like going from playing to like our 20 friends to like 200 people or, or something like that, which is like, cool, all right, it's starting to happen or 300 people or things like that. And then we go to Primavera and it's like just standing on stage with like, I don't know how many people, it was like 5,000 people more, like just like, a sea of people as far as you can see, Again, like, and, and then, then the ocean and, like, the sun setting and, like, playing these songs, you kind of just kind of wrote about feeling like you were a bit of a loser in your bedroom. And then all of a sudden being on stage, like, having, like, that uh, experience kind of, like, completely reversed where you weren't the loser in your bedroom anymore writing songs about how, like, things didn't work out. Like, you were actually, like, standing on stage playing these, like, songs. And, and to this day, I think we were, like, at the early stage, like we didn't really know how to do that. Like the idea of like, do your show that you normally do in front of your 20 friends in front of like thousands, like in Spain. Um, And I'm convinced that we were like terrible, but like to this day, people come up to me and they're like, I was there. And 2009 at Primavera. And it was like the best time of my life. And, I thankfully people in Spain smoke a shit ton of um, weed and drink a lot like in the sun and that helps the experience of music or there and maybe it hurts their experience of memory but it's like whatever it is it uh it's just like a incredible thing to think that like for one moment we went from being like in our bedrooms and like kind of just kind of having these fantasies and then having the 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 thing come true in this like vivid way so like just that that experience stands out a lot um i think i mentioned before we got to play on late night tv here in the states on the david letterman show which is just like yeah, that's was
0: off it's jesus christ yeah
1: like that's like a thing where you tell it to your grandpa everyone knows what that is like they yeah. don't know how, what the success of your band is they don't even know about like the like oh you got a good review here or, like you got to play this festival but they know like the letterman show is like this like Mm-hmm. This real thing, like you're on Letterman. Oh, you must be doing all right with your life or something. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's this kind of thing where you get a T-shirt. I gave it to my grandpa. My grandpa's like 88. He still has it. He still wears it. You know, the late yeah. night with David. Yeah, you know, it's like something where it's like everyone can kind of like be like my grandson or whatever. It's just like this weird affirmation. Yeah, like get, Yeah, like
0: your granddad could just tell all his old mates, and they'll be they'll they'll know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing because, of course, like, you should do things for your own reasons and, like, you shouldn't be so obsessed with, like, recognition and, like, did I get this award or was I on this, like, top 10 list or whatever? And, of course, the true path of the artist is blah, 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 blah. On the other hand, it's cool when there's, like, this thing that happens that you can just be like, look, I've, like, I like I I did something and it's a thing you can understand and recognize and we can all be happy about this. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that that's the other one that stands out a lot. And then I think finally, uh, it happened a few years later, but in 2015, I think, we played a music festival in Mongolia, which to me is just like, if I'm giving like the shorthand answer of like, did your band, what did your band accomplish? I'm like, well, we got to go to Mongolia and play a show. And uh, that just seems like (laughs) symbolically is like the most remote um, unlikely place to be playing uh, a show. But uh, it, it happened for us and it was like this really cool experience. We drank, you know, fermented horse milk and (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, yeah. had, a, had a really good time, but it, it was just, uh, like, those things you're just, like, if you, like, I'm, you know, maybe my mind will degenerate at some point. I won't totally remember all the shit that happened. In fact, already, like, half the times I'm, like, a lot of stuff blurs together, but those kinds of things are just so, like, remarkably, like, vivid as, like, experiences that I'm just really grateful that I got that, that happened to my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you, you deserve it, mate. It's uh, yeah, all all well earned. So yeah, thank you so much for your time, man. This was a a pleasure and an honor to chat to you. Thank you so much for jumping on and everything. I really no, thank you great. so
1: much for having me on. I I really appreciate it, and thanks for um yeah, it's been it's been wonderful to chat with you as well, man. Before I go, I just I am contractually obliged. I need to plug. I just put out a record with uh, my new solo project. It's called The Natural, and it's a little different than Paints, but uh, it's on the internet. So if people want to check it out, it's N A T V R A L. Uh, there's like three other bands called that already. So I changed the U to a V.
0: Yo, thank you so much once again, man. Have a fantastic rest of your day. This was a, a fucking honor. Appreciate you. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Have
1: a good one, man.